You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We're doing a series from Easter to Pentecost called The Road to Pentecost. And today, Signs, Wonders, and the Holy Spirit is our, our focus. Uh, obviously, there's no way to be exhaustive about the signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit. Uh, these are just little touch points that you could have a whole series of messages on. Forgive me for being so general today, but uh, we, we want to get just kind of the, the touchstone of, of uh, a launching point for signs and wonders and the activity of the Holy Spirit. We see that Jesus' ministry was completely marked by signs and wonders that awakened people to the presence of God. The reality that there was a new there was a new sheriff in town, that there was a new world order, there was a new kingdom that was being inaugurated with the, with his presence, and so we see that in the outward miracles that would change lepers, that would change uh, the the blind, the deaf, the lame, <laughs> all that those activities were were signs, they were wonders, they were miracles, they were things that that caused us to be aware that the message that Jesus was presenting, that the kingdom of God is at hand, was indeed true. And it was being substantiated by the power of God as he released those signs and wonders, those miracles, those healings. I just love it. When he takes the dead son in the midst of the funeral procession and he raises him back up to life and gives him back to his mom. I would call that a miracle. That, that would qualify. When he stands before the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, after four days of decay, comes out, I'd call that a miracle. Mm, signs and wonders. So we're going to look at that today. Let's go back to the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 32, beginning at verse 17. The prophet writes, Ah, sovereign God, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He starts off with signs and wonders being right there at creation. The whole creation is miraculous. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the father's sins into the laps of their children after them. O great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. That was a mighty deed, <laughs> indeed. Your eyes are open to all the ways of men. You reward everyone according to his conduct as his, disease, as his deeds deserve. You perform miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them, how long? To this day both in Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. 
So from creation to the exodus, the great deliverance of God's people, and it continues even to this day. And I know Jeremiah is talking back in Old Testament times, but I think it's definitely a prophetic word. And the selection of continue to this day is still in, in vogue. That's still appropriate. Signs and wonders bring an awareness that God is real in the world today. And he's real in our lives. Mm. The role of signs and wonders. We find at, at the end of Mark, a section of scripture that oftentimes isn't found in the earliest transcripts of the gospel of Mark. But nonetheless, uh, the authors, uh, the, those that decided to canonize the scripture wanted to make sure it was included. Notice what they say. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, this is sober stuff. Belief will decide where you spend eternity. Uh, if we like to think that everybody's going get to get out of jail free card, not going to happen, folks. It's going to be the decision that we make and how we respond to a son. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Mm. So here we see a, a brief list of some of the signs that they'll drive out demons. Okay, if we believe, we, we have authority over demons in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Don't be like the sons of Siva and go out and try to cast out demons of your own accord because you'll get your... Yeah, yeah, you'll get hurt. That, that's not going to work. <clears throat> they will speak in new tongues. And here we see at Pentecost the, the, the sign and the wonder of the 13 different languages, the 13 different people groups that were gathered, that were Jews, that were hearing the wonders of God proclaimed in their own language. And then all the manifestation of spiritual language that's a gift of the Holy Spirit that gives us an enabling to express the inexpressible and to release to God a prayer from our heart and our spirit from places that are so deep huh, that all we can do is groan. All we can do is utter the wonder, wonderful mysteries in a new tongue. I like new tongues. I think it's pretty good. We're going to have to have a message on that real soon because it, there's, some, there's some real misconceptions. And I know we're not today where we were back in the 1960s and 70s, even the 80s. You know, that, that there's been a lot of understanding, a lot of growth, a lot of maturity. Um, they, they tell me today if I was in the free Methodist denomination, I would not have been kicked out for speaking in tongues. Um, I think that's true. But if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here with you. So I'm glad. I'm glad. But 
the, 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 the gift of spiritual language, even though Paul says it's the least of all the gifts, it doesn't mean that it's, it's the least in importance. It's least, it's least in, its, in its utilitarian purpose because it is a gift to edify the individual. So when you are speaking in your prayer language, when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking in a way that's bringing edification to you. When you're prophesying, it's a touching all that are within the sound of your voice. And so it's releasing edification to a group of people, a company of people. And that's good. But a lot of times to get yourself into the place where prophecy is going to take place, you need to be edified yourself. I find that it's really interesting because the Apostle Paul says that he speaks in tongues more than everyone. Why? Because he knows that there is a need for him to be edified if he's going to be able to be used of the Holy Spirit to release the ministry and the edification for the body of Christ, to build it up, to strengthen it, to grow it, to bring encounters. Ah. So don't poo-poo the gift of tongues. And if you have the gift, work it, just like all the gifts. You know, the, the more you prophesy, the, the greater your revelation and the greater your ability to speak prophetic words in, in the context that brings a release of power and grace to individuals. Well, the same thing with speaking in tongues. If you've got one syllable, beat the snot out of that one syllable till it multiplies to two. If you've got two syllables, just keep nurturing that. Keep nurturing that until it goes. I remember the first time, because mine kind of sounds, you know, I love the Hispanic. I, the Hispanics are huge in my heart. I love Hispanic people. Just love that people group. And I, when I speak in tongues, I sound a little Hispanic sometimes. I, I've got a real Hispanic kind of sound. And it's, it's, kind, of a, it's kind of just a, a rom, it's kind of an expression of love. It's a, it's, a, it's a love language. And when I start, I can feel the love just being poured out. But then it shifts sometimes. And when it shifts, it's like all of a sudden, I've gone from expressing an intimacy of affection to the Lord, I've moved into another thing where I feel like I'm, I'm cooperating in intercession that is being warfare-like. And when I get into that, it's not the sweet, mellow, Hispanic tongue. It is militant. It is staccato. It is boom, boom, boom. And I find oftentimes when, when the Lord takes me into that level of intercession, I'm, I'm pounding something, you know. I'm beating on something. I mean, I'm, it's like there's a ferociousness about it. And it's, it's like, whoa. And then there's everything in between. I just want to encourage you to use what you have and anticipate receiving more. That's not in the notes, so let's continue. <laughs> Little exhortation. Mm -hmm. So they speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. First of all, I thank God that I'm not a part of a stream that we prove how much faith we have by what we do with rattlesnakes. That just doesn't, that just doesn't seem wise to me. 
First of all, the only good snake is a dead snake in my value system. And uh, I just don't like snakes. Spiders don't bother me at all. I've got friends that can do snakes, but they, they're scared to death of spiders, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. Just, but the, we all have our own individual filters and stuff like that. But it's nice to know that if I have to pick up a snake, if I'm in the midst of kingdom activity and a snake appears, I don't have to worry. But knowing me, I will probably try to go around the snake, if at all possible. We see this in, in Acts where Paul is, they're throwing the, the wood on the fire and there's a, there's a snake that attaches to his arm and everybody just thinks, oh, he's going to die because they know it's a super poisonous snake. But Paul just shakes it off and into the fire. And so they're all waiting, thinking that he's some kind of criminal, some kind of murderer, that God has judged him with the snake, and they're waiting for him to die. But then when they see that he doesn't die, they come to the conclusion that he is awesome, that he is a great holy God. He's, he's amazing and all this. And, and, and he just goes on and does his stuff. So if something attaches to you, just shake it off. Any way that the enemy tries to, to do that. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. I do not suggest that you show your faith by trying to drink some Drano. Don't, don't do that. That's silly. But I love calling on this when I'm on the mission field and I ate something that in that culture doesn't agree with my culture. And my stomach is, is starting to go upside down and I, I just put my hand over and I just say, Lord, if I got anything that's poisonous inside, something that doesn't agree, I just invite your peace and your calm to come. A lot of times you know, when, you're out, when you're out and you don't have access to medical attention, you forgot your Rolaids, your Tums, and your Pepsid-AC, uh, it's nice to know that you can partner with the Holy Spirit and let him bring peace to your body. You will lay hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, is that good or what? Is that good? Do you love doing that? Is that just like, that is one of the greatest joys of life is coming and encountering someone who needs a miracle, who needs wholeness, and you get to lay your hands on them and pray for them and, and see it. Now, there's something really wonderful about the laying on of hands, but we've seen this in different ways. You know, sometimes you don't get the opportunity to lay your hands upon another person, but you release the healing of the Holy Spirit. You release the gift of the Holy Spirit within you to go out and to bring healing and to touch. He's the one that touches. Yeah. And if he touches through your hands, great. If he touches through your faith and through your declaration and your proclamation of your words, wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> I remember one time I was, uh, was with a, a friend of mine that was ministering and, and he was practicing not touching because he was trying to exercise and extend his faith. And so when he was praying for someone's healing, he would not touch. 
because he was wanting to release the power of the word of the Lord for healing. Touch, don't touch. However, however the occasion arises, sometimes, you know, people don't want to be touched. Have you been around people like that? You go to give them a hug and it's like, that wasn't a good idea. Okay. Let's just see healing take place. Hmm. So the disciples believed Jesus. Uh, They took him at his word and they went out as he ascended into heaven and they went out and they preached. And the Lord substantiated the message by the signs and wonders that followed. I love that. Jesus says that signs will, will accompany those who believe in his name. And it's the confirming of the truth and the veracity of the message that the power and the miracle and the signs and the wonders substantiate. That what you've just said is true. So much so that, you know, being a Methodist, we know John Wesley. And John Wesley and George Whitfield were having a little bit of a competition. And they, they were contemporaries. And, and so John was trying to get George to understand that his theology was wrong and was trying to bring some correction on theology. <laughs> and one of the authors was, was quoting that John Wesley, in, in, in a filled preaching moment, because they both went outside the church and were preaching to the masses in the fields. And as he was preaching, he said, Lord, let your signs and wonders come now, after he proclaimed the gospel. And, and then he did something. Don't, don't you guys do this, okay? And to substantiate that my theological position's right and George's isn't. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, no, no, John, don't do that. <laughs> but they say there was a huge manifestation of the power and signs and wonders, even in that meeting. The Lord will put up with a lot of foolishness, won't he? But uh, I'm, I'm not here to judge John Wesley. I've learned so much from, from that man, and he's, he's been a blessing to my life. But it just cracked me up when someone pointed that out. I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. We get a little, get a little, yeah, whatever that is. We do get a little of that. When you look at the Gospel of John, John is writing to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and, and that we might believe and have faith in his name. And, and so as he's going through that, the first sign that we see in John is when Jesus turns the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, which I think that's really interesting. What is the, what is the fruit even in a, a, a miracle of water turning into wine that was better than the wine that was earlier served? The disciples saw and believed. Signs and wonders are to substantiate the gospel. They're substantiate the truth that God loves. It's to substantiate that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. And all of that substantiation has the goal of bringing us to a moment of faith. And it says, and the disciples put their faith in him. I love that. And so we see all through John, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, the multiplication of the loaves and the fish was a sign and a wonder. And all the multitude was fed on at least two occasions. 
supernaturally. And there were signs and wonders that pointed that Jesus was the Messiah. And that the words that he was teaching all day long in, in those instances was true. And God substantiated it with a miracle. Even so much so that Jesus is engaging the religious leaders and says, you know, the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. I only do what I hear my Father say and I only, uh, you know, do the things that I see my Father doing. So it's a seeing-doing dynamic. And he says, if you don't believe my words, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So Jesus had an expectation that the miraculous should have an effect on a human being that causes them to wake up and to begin to believe something that's too good to be true. Hmm. And sometimes you do that by showing and doing something that they've never seen before. That's why I love the resurrections in the Gospels. Because you know that something wonderful had to have happened. I just can't imagine the village of Bethany ever being the same after Lazarus was raised. Mm. Yeah. Well, Paul puts it this way. Signs and wonders in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 15, verse 17, he says, Therefore I will glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, yeah, it's easy for me to say, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Wow. Signs and wonders are demonstrations that the kingdom, the future rule and reign of God that, we're, that the, his people had looked forward to in the future, looking to a day in the future, has come into the present, that the future has invaded the present. And that's why we see this miraculous stuff. That's why we see the healings. That's why we see the power. That's why we see the demonic having to obey the commands and the prayer and the decrees of God's children in the name of Jesus. Hmm. So signs and wonders are signposts that are pointing to the inbreaking of God's kingdom, his dynamic rule and reign. And we get to participate in that. Is that a joy? Hmm. Pointing to the presence of the king and his kingdom in our day. That's why the foundation of everything is out of the foundation of the one who says, God is love. It's got to be out of love. 1 Corinthians 13, if I can do this, if I can prophesy, if I can give, if I can do all these demonstrations of sacrifice, whatever it is, if it's not coming from a foundation of love, it really doesn't make a difference. It doesn't have any value. But as love continues, and, and that's why I love the Romans, you know, as, as the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, 
That's a sign and a wonder. A redeemed, transformed life is a sign and wonder in the earth. When you can take a human being who is filled with love and stop becoming a selfish, self-centered person and cares for another with the same tender love that God does, it's like that is a sign and a wonder. That is a miracle. Signs and wonders from the Exodus was to get us out of bondage, out of enslavement over into freedom. And that's why, you know, the foundation of love is, is the hope of breaking addictions. It's the, boat, it's the real hope of bringing freedom to those who are stuck in captivity, those who are bound in places where they can't get out. And that's a ministry of the kingdom of God. And it's got to come from love. There's been times when I've wanted to see power move in my life and I, and I wanted to see great intercession and all of this. And, and I made the focus the end of seeing something rather than of being with him and knowing him in his love. And it's in the knowing him of his love that more things happens than in our striving and our religious performance of trying to somehow twist God's arm or convince him of our, of our piety, of our sacrifice, so that he'll work in our behalf or on behalf of another one, a loved one or something. We just aren't as effective as when there is a real sense of how profound he loves us. When we know how much he loves us, then we see the signs and wonders follow. And it will. <laughs> it will. And I've, I've continued to be impressed with the, with the reality that as we proclaim the word of God, as we proclaim the truth of the gospel, you can't help but see God's power come. Anytime the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, there's that. And I told you that I've never been a real big Benny Hinn fan. Uh, but my appreciation for him and his ministry has grown over the years. And uh, Dolores, she got uh, tickets for me to go last time, I, well, the last time that I knew that he was in town. And, and we went to hear Benny, uh, and he, you know, instead of filling up a huge stadium, he had a, 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 a wing in the in convention center. He had several of the ballrooms or the whatever the rooms, A and B, and we went there. And I was there, and I was listening, and I heard the most wonderful, clear, simple, powerful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ I've ever heard in my life. I never heard anyone articulate the gospel as clearly as Benny did that day. It was just great. It was just amazing. He'd already gone through the 2020 difficulties with uh, ABC and all that kind of stuff. And, and you could see that God was just really moving and he was honoring the Lord in a clear presentation of the gospel. And miracles just broke out everywhere. Healings was just amazing. It was just, and the guy I was sitting next to had driven all morning. 
He worked the night shift, got off work, and drove all the way to Indianapolis from St. Louis to be at that meeting because he got healed in St. Louis at a Benny Hinn meeting, and he had a friend who needed healing, and he was bringing him with him. And it was just like, wow, this is amazing. When the gospel is clearly articulated, the presence of the Father comes. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes. The, the power of signs and wonders are present, not only to take us out of the bondage of sin and darkness in the grave, but to, to release us from all the things that would imprison us. So I just close. We won't go to the last scripture, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus was sent by the Father. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He dwelt among us full of grace and truth. He suffered, bled, and died. <laughs> he was crucified as a sacrifice, atoning for our sins. Mm. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. <laughs> he was seen by Mary and the women and then the disciples. And on one occasion, by over 500 brethren. Hmm. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit, another, just like himself. Only different. <laughs> he told us that he will always be with us. And the signs always point to him. Anytime something supernatural happens and you get to participate and partner with the Holy Spirit in an activity on earth, you're pointing to the goodness of the love of God. You're pointing to a righteous father. You're pointing to a wonderful savior. And you're pointing to a holy, holy spirit. The gifts are given, healing, salvation, prophecy, all of those things. I hope you're getting stirred this morning because my prayer is that he will pour into us so much that we can't help but release it in every menial, casual contact we have, every God-ordained divine appointment when he highlights someone and you're, you're drawn to them and you don't know why, but you just go in faith and obedience and as you engage in conversation, you realize that there's something that God wants to do for this person. When you release a word that changes their whole life, changes their whole life, or it brings an assurance of something that they've been thinking that God's saying, that they're wanting to, to really pursue. And as you speak a word, it confirms. It confirms what the Lord and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to their hearts. Sign me up. Mm, Jesus. So let's wait on him. Let's wait on him. Holy Spirit, we love you because we love Jesus. We love the Father. And we just acknowledge that 
You have been released on the earth to glorify Jesus, and Jesus has come to make known the Father. We pray, Lord, we want to be your sons and daughters. We want to be your bride. We want to be your temple. We want to be yours completely, a people unique to you. And so we say, Lord, fill us with a baptism of your holy love. Pour into our hearts agape. Pour into our hearts your holy and righteous love by your Holy Spirit. We give you place today. Fill us to overflowing. Dan, I remember, uh, Dan hoped that Anne wanted to be reminded when we go into ministry time. She wanted to bring the children in today. So if you'd go up and let... Thank you. <laughs> yeah. As your love is poured out, Lord, we, we realize that your perfect love casts out all fear. So all our, our personal inhibitions, all the anxieties, all the inferiority, all of that just gets, just gets washed out as the Holy Spirit pours forth your love into our hearts. As the early church prayed for boldness, Lord, I pray for each one of my brothers and sisters here today that you would make them so bold <laughs> that all the different ways in the past where we've hesitated, all the place, places in the past where we've chickened out, all the places in the past where we've, we've been more concerned about how we look and how others may think of us, we just invite the love of Jesus to just wash all of that out. For Father, we, we know that your love is so great that it always gives. And we want so much of your love inside of us that we would imitate our Father, that we would be givers, that we'd be givers of life, that we'd be givers of love, that we'd be givers of, of mercy and grace. Teach us, Lord, this morning, teach us Fill us. Reveal to us the fullness of the kingdom today. With the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders. From a foundation of holy love. May our faith rise. May hope fill this place. May we go forth as you took 12 and changed the world. Lord, change the world. May we be a part of the wonder of wonders, the body of Jesus Christ in the earth, loving with his heart, serving with his hands, seeing with his eyes, hearing with his ears. Oh, we love you walking in his footsteps. We receive the fullness of everything that you have for us today.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes. 